Thus, Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 10 prove that works are needed for salvation during the dispensation of grace. Hi guys, my name is Francis Simeon and you are listening to the Pauline Fellowship Bible Study Hour. You might, you might be watching it in, um, in YouTube, but uh, this is also being uh, recorded in our podcast called the Workman Unashamed Podcast, so I'd like to welcome everyone. Um, well, it's really familiar. Verses chapter Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine is really familiar, and it talks about our uh, um, salvation is by grace through faith. But very many people use verse number ten as their proof verse, saying that works or doing good works is needed for salvation. Okay. Is that the case? Let's talk about that. Okay? Ephesians chapter number 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now the proponents of grace through faith salvation plus no works would say, and I think you know that I am one of those, uh, would say that, see, Salvation is clearly by grace through faith. And it even answers the question, is it of works? No, it is not of works. The reason being, lest any man should boast. Then we go to chapter number 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. See, says the man who uses this or who stands on this as their proof verse for good works see we have to work uh, we have to do good works for salvation okay reading on which god hath before ordained that we should walk in them okay before we go forward let's talk about the outline of how we want to tackle this issue today okay number one we will talk about the reasons why not. Now, there's three reasons. I, I know there's more, but these three reasons, I think, would uh, give us a clear understanding of not just verse 10, but chapter number 2, and hopefully the book of Ephesians as a whole. Okay, reasons why not. Number two, it's a person entitled, or that I called, adding to the gospel. Adding not just to the gospel, or to a gospel, but adding to our gospel. So there's a specific gospel that we're talking about. And what happens when we add to our gospel? Number two, or number three, a portion called, if our gospel be hid. Again, it's not just any gospel, but it, it's our gospel. If our gospel be hid, what happens, right? Now, um, before going forward, just think with me for a second, okay? That everything was planned by God to do good works is common sense. <laughs> That's common sense. God doesn't plan for anyone for uh, for anyone or anything to do bad works. Okay, the reason why that's happening is because man fell into sin. Okay, the issue here is this: Does Ephesians chapter two verse ten prove that the unregenerate, the lost, the people who are unsaved, do they need to do good works to be saved in our dispensation, or? Does God save the unregenerate, the lost, or the unsaved to do good works? Okay? So hopefully by the end of this uh, uh, Bible study, we can look at the situation or and say, or, or we can look at the verse and, and pick between these two situations or maybe something else. Okay? Scenario or situation A. The doer of the action is the unsaved person, the lost, the unregenerate. The action is the doing of good works, and the outcome is after they do good works, they can be saved. Okay. Scenario or situation B, the doer of the action is God. The action is he saves the unsaved who puts their trust in the gospel, or who believes in the gospel. Excuse me. And then the outcome is 
for that person because now he's unsaved, or because now, pardon me, he's saved, is to do good works. Now, as you can see here in my next chart, I added two more columns, okay? Um, I'm going to submit to you right now, and I'm going to call the answer, the type of answer for those who are the proponents of scenario or situation A, that I call that the, the carnal, um, carnal answer. And now I know some people would be answer, uh, would be mad and be offended and say, wait a second, are you calling me carnal or are you calling my answer carnal? I don't know why you would or anyone would be angry when, question, what do you use to do good works? Your body, your flesh, your carne, the root word of the word carnal, right? So the carnal Scenario, the carnal answer says, Scenario A, the doer of the action is unsaved, uh, is the unsaved, the unregenerate, the lost people. The action is the doing of good works. The outcome is the uh, is their salvation. And let me submit to you as early on, on right now that the this answer is wrong. Okay? And please bear with me. Okay? Uh, well, we'll, hopefully the, we will let the Bible, as we open the verses later on, show us why. Number two, or scenario B, uh, situation B, I call it the traditional answer. Why? Because Christianity tend to use this answer very much, all right? Or traditional Christianity, okay? To them, they say the doer of the action is God. The action is that God saves the lost who believes the gospel. And the outcome is now that they're saved, that they would do good works, for God, okay, and I call it. Is it? I would say. Let me submit to you that this answer is okay. I just say it's okay, not the best, because there might be a different answer which I want to submit to you right now, and I would call it the dispensational answer, okay? Uh, and, and because we want to be as biblical as we can be, we can. We want to be right division. Uh, we right dividers. Pauline right dividers, um, who preached the Lord Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery uh, revealed unto the Apostle Paul, then hopefully you understand why I say that this is the correct answer. Now, who is the doer of the action? What's the action? And what is the outcome? Hopefully, we will let the Bible show us as we progress, okay? So, before I jump into point number one, let me tell you this, and this is the sad part, okay? Many people who misquote Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 10, and I've talked to many of them, understand neither the context of the whole second chapter, okay? Pardon the, the, the uh, typographical error there. Understand neither the context of the whole second chapter, nor what the book of Ephesians is all about. See? Some people hear from a pastor somewhere, from a theologian somewhere, or a radio announcer or Bible teacher somewhere that, hey, Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 10 teaches that you need to work for salvation, and all of a sudden they parrot it. And they stand firm, and they are deceived. See, the problem is, the nature of people who are deceived is that they do not know that they are deceived. And they even defend it, and stand firm, and fight for it. See? But let's let the Bible answer, shall we? Okay, let's go to point number one. Reasons why not. Okay, so like I said, I'll give you three reasons. I know there's more, but let's look at, I might be tempted to uh, to chase a rabbit trail here and to go and talk about other reasons, but hopefully by God's grace, we can just stick to these three, okay? Number one, we'll talk about the contextual reasons why Ephesians chapter number two, verse 10 does not teach works for salvation in our dispensation. Number two, of course, which leads us to number two is our is the dispensational reasons. And number three is the differential reasons. And I'll explain to you what all these uh, mean as we go. Okay? So content contextual. As we look at the context, we always want to ask who is writing and who are they writing to? Okay? Now, because we're dealing with the question who 
the answer is going to be people, all right? Uh, and who are they? Who are who are who is this writer writing to? Who is his audience? The answer is going to be people. Their names are going to be proper nouns, and uh, and then uh, and then um, sometimes they're going to be referred to by pronouns. Okay. So that's why we are talking. We will. We want to look at the pronouns and the antecedents. Okay, pronouns. What are pronouns? Pronouns are words that takes the place of a noun, like he, she, it, they, them, is, uh, this, that, or those. It's uh, sort of gets tiresome if you're reading a, uh, a um, uh, sorry, a paragraph, a story, a novel. Um, an article, an essay with no pronouns, and it's just repeating proper names, okay? So pronouns are the words that takes the place of a noun, okay? Antecedent, however, is the noun that the pronoun replaces. Let's look at an example, okay? Here's two, here are two sentences. Bergen is my son, okay? He is my firstborn, okay? So if... If I remove the pronoun, we know that the pronoun here is uh, the word he. Uh, so while these the other sentences are going down here, um, the pronoun here is the word he. And um, it's going to be tiresome if, say, for example, I was talking, I, I wrote about a whole paragraph about Bergen, my son, and I it's going to be tiresome if I do not use the word, uh, any pronouns at all. If I keep saying, Bergen is my son, Bergen is my firstborn, Bergen is two years old, Bergen is, uh, loves to eat, Bergen loves to drink chocolate milk, you know. So that's why, we, so it's not tiresome to read all that. Um, then we replace Bergen, some, some of those words, some of those proper names, proper nouns, with the pronoun he. Bergen is my son. He, the pronoun, is my firstborn. Okay? So the antecedent, the noun that the pronoun replaces or describes is the term, the noun, Bergen. So by rule, very last point right there, pronouns and their antecedents have to match in number, gender, and person. Okay, so I'll give you the wrong example number one. Bergen is my son. She is my firstborn. Is that right? Eh, wrong. The pronoun does not match the antecedent because Bergen is obviously a boy, a son. That's why it says son. Okay, a man or a male, sorry. Uh, a little side note. Uh, my teacher in English in high school was a... a uh, lady by the name of Mrs. Javier in the Philippines who wielded a yardstick like a samurai. And I remember how strict she was. I was so scared of her at the beginning, but then I learned to love her class because she just drilled it to us. Hey, listen, the noun, the pronoun must match its antecedent. So that's why a few years later, like where we live right now, in the time that we live right now, when people say, this is my pronouns, these are my pronouns, and, and it does not match what the pronoun should be uh, referring to. No. Words still mean something. Words still mean something, okay? Mrs. I, whenever I hear, whenever I, I, whenever I hear somebody says, these are my pronouns, and it does not match... I remember the sacrifice of Mrs. Javier who taught us, hey, the pronoun should match the antecedent, okay? So anyway, that's just a side note there. Wrong example number two. Uh, wrong example number one, the gender does not match. Wrong example example number two, the, uh, the number does not match. Bergen is my son. They is my firstborn. So that's obviously wrong already. So let's look at some of the pronouns. Well, uh, um, Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. So who is we referring to? 
Well, let's go all the way to Ephesians chapter number 2, verses 1 and 2. And, uh-oh, you. Okay? When it says we, first pl person plural, meaning, meaning the speaker is talking about him and somebody else. Now you, in the King James Bible especially, that's why we love it, is second person plural. You, the... the um, the speaker is not including himself in this specific particular um, uh, scenario. And you, had he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye, here's the pronoun, walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Okay, so their pronouns, does it match, does we match you and ye? It could be. There might be a reason why the speaker, who's that speaker, we'll look at it later on, is not including himself for now. But watch the pronouns. If you should, let's continue reading verse number three. Among whom also, uh-oh, we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. So the speaker or the writer at first is referring to just second person. There He's referring to somebody, and then he lumps himself in and says, hey, listen, I'm included here in times past, uh, my conversation, my way of life, the way I live my life in times past is according to the lust of the flesh, uh, of our flesh, see, we, our, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Ye are saved. Okay? Ephesians 2, verse 6 and 7, continuing on. So just, just notice these, pro, this, these pronouns for now. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Je Jesus. Now, are we currently literally sitting in, in, in heaven right now? I'm sitting right now literally in my dining room table while I are in my dining room chair while I'm recording this as we speak. Okay? But positionally, in Christ. Now, that's going to be important because early the, 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 the verse we're talking about is Ephesians 2.10 and it says, in him. Okay, in Christ Jesus, Jesus is seated in the right hand of God. In Christ, our position in Christ is that we are sitting together in heavenly places. Okay, that in the ages to come, he might show. Now, this is going to be important, okay, because this is the very reason in Ephesians, in, in the whole Ephesians chapter number two, the reason why he did, why God did what he did. Okay, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Okay. Um, anyway, so verse 8 and 9, for by grace are ye saved. Okay. Um pa uh, my, my might not be might be mistaken here. Present perfect tense, meaning something was done in the past, the effect, there, the, which the effect happens and continues on through the present to the future. Okay? For by grace are ye are present, ye saved. E-E-D, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. So j just notice the, uh, the, the, the uh, pronouns here. Wait a second. So you ask us to look at the pronouns, but what we have read are also pronouns. I thought the antecedents are supposed to be nouns that these pronouns are. 
Um, modify. We have not located that noun yet, which is the antecedent. Well, let's go all the way to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, do whom? The saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Okay? To the saints and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Later on, after verse number 11, or after verse number 10, Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 10, in verse 11, it describes who these Ephesians are, or more specifically, were, okay? Let's read verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth. Now, this is all time past, okay? Time past. In time past, the Gentiles were without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now. What's happened now? When they are in Christ. Some, something must have happened for them to, be in, to get in Christ Jesus. Right? But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So, the pronouns in Ephesians, the, the we, okay, uh, the we is talking about, of course, Paul and these Gentiles, okay, well, they were Gentiles in time past, in, uh, in their location, they're called um, um, the saints in Ephesus, now, because they're already saved, now they're in Christ Jesus, okay? So, of course, now we know, uh, but we're, we were not, we're not going to take the time to run the verses, we know that now they're part of the body of Christ, where there's neither Jew nor Gentile. <coughs> See? So we know that the antecedent of the word we, of the pronoun we, is Paul and these who were in time past Gentiles. Excuse me, but now are saved. Okay, the point is this. Okay, in time past, the Gentiles were what we read, uh, separate from the commonwealth of Israel, without hope, without God in the world. Okay, when a Gentile wanted to be saved. In time past, in the Old Testament, they needed to go through Israel, get circumcised, and get and be baptized, and do the good works. That's in time past. But now, by grace ye are saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then there, there's a plan why God is doing this, that he would do. God's doing this because he wants to, to do something in the ages to come. We'll talk about that later on. Okay. Now, notice, sorry, excuse me. Notice how these pronouns are described. Okay. Because some people would say, yeah, those people that are, that, that's in Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 10, those are still unsaved. They need to do good works to be saved. Okay. Ephesians 2 verse 1, they're quickened. They were dead, but now they're quickened. Quickened meaning they're alive. 2 5, they're quickened, are saved. Okay? Uh, 2 6, they're raised, sitting in heavenly places. 2 verse 8, you're saved. 2 verse 10, they are in Christ. 2 verse 13, 13, they are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Praise God. 2 verse 14, he is our peace. 2 verse 18, through him we have access. 2 verse 19, no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. 
2 verse 20, built upon the foundation, Jesus Christ. 2 verse 22, the habitation of God. So, see, the re that, that's the reason why I, I, I name this reason the contextual. In context, the Apostle Paul, who is the writer, is talking to a whole bunch of people. Although they were Gentiles in time past, they are now saved. See? From verse 1 to verse number 22, it's this describing people. It's talking to people who already have all these blessings as a present possession. They're already saved. They're quickened. It not, does not say they were they will be quickened. They already are saved. They're already raised. They're already in we're already in heavenly places. We already are saved. We already are in Christ. We already are made made nigh by the blood of Christ. See? If that's the case, what makes people think that verse number 10 is an exception that God is talking to lost people here? No, it can't be. It's impossible. Okay? In context, our writer, Paul, is talking to a group of people who are saved. So Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 10 does not talk about what one needs to do to obtain salvation. Clear? Let's move on to the next one, which is dispensational. Let's look at the breakdown of Ephesians chapter number 2. Okay, now Ephesians chapter, the book of Ephesians is so awesome because it talks about, you know, some people, especially when you're at church and then there's like an evangelistic meeting and somebody, you know, uh, goes down the aisle. Uh, and I'm just talking about what typically happens in evangelistic meetings and then and, and praise the sinner's prayer and they say, Pastor, what should I do? Where should I read in the Bible so, to, so I can grow in my, in my newfound salvation? And the, the pastor in traditional churches and traditional Christianity would always say, yeah, well, read the Gospel of John. No, read the, read the, read the book of Ephesians. Okay, because that talks about you. Read the book of Romans. Read the book of Ephesians. Okay. Uh, now, if I, like I said, the book of Ephesians is so great. It's so awesome because, because there's so much, there's, there's so many, I mean, it says it's the unreachable, uh, I mean, sorry, the unsearchable um, riches of, of his, of his grace. Now, um, what I wanted to say was there's there's time stamps there's there's a there's dispensational um, time stamps if you will of when things are gonna happen or when God did things and or, or what, when God's going to do things. Well, let, let me just show you. Um, I'm gonna start in verse number ten, and if you sort of reread Ephesians chapter number two in this. Outlook in this point of view, uh, then I hope it will be you know a blessing to you. I th I think I believe that the Bible will just open up, open itself up to you. Okay, verse number ten. <clears throat> this is sort of like a summary of all the breakdown of Ephesians chapter number two. All right. Uh, first off, in verse number 10, before the foundation of the world, God foreordained that this handiwork, what handiwork? Well, before that, that this handiwork will contain both Jews and Gentiles, saved by grace through faith, and will be without distinction. Okay? This handiwork is the new man in Christ, and it will the new man in Christ, God's plan for it before the foundation of the world is to do good works. Why? Well, we'll see later on. Okay? That's verse number 10. Before the foundation of the world, that's the plan of God. But in time past, we the Gentiles did not have unlimited access to God's grace. Now, I'm, I just chose the word unlimited for the lack of a better term there, okay? But, uh, but to explain that, I meant that we had to go through Israel in time past to gain access. Okay? We have to do what God told Israel to do. Uh, Gentiles needed to be circumcised. They needed to be 
baptized. They needed to follow the law, meaning they have to go through Israel's plan in time past. Okay, why? Because we are strangers from the commonwealth of Israel. So in verse number 1 to 6, but now God saved us. Verses 8 to 9, by grace through faith, apart from works, unlike God's plan for Israel in time past. God now forms a new man in Christ, verses 14 to 22, one that does not have a distinction between Jews, or the circumcision, and Gentiles, or the uncircumcision. We all have peace because Jesus is our foundation. This is that new man, the new creature in Christ that was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Okay, why? By the way, there's only 22 verses in Ephesians chapter number 2. We're missing one verse. What's that? Verse number 7, which is the reason, like I mentioned earlier, why God did everything. In, in Ephesians chapter number 2. So that in the ages to come, he can show the exceeding riches of his grace. So that's the dispensational breakdown. Notice, I underlined it for you. Verse number 10, before the foundation of the world. Verses 11 to 13, in time past. Verse 1 to uh, 32, Sorry, verse 1 to 22, but now. Verse number 7, ages to come. See? That's why I said earlier, uh, before, we, before we started all, in any of the points, that a lot of people who misuse, who abuse, who misquote Ephesians 2 verse 10, do not understand what Ephesians chapter number 2 is talking about. What about the whole book of Ephesians? Okay. So Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 10 going back for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. So God says, well, let's let's let the verses um um just speak for itself, right? We know this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, verses 16 to 17. Wherefore, henceforth know we not, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now, henceforth, know we him no more. You know what? There's so many Bible teachers, pastors, Teachers, I was like that before. Think, you know, whenever I would gain doctrine, I would, I would, you know, preach Jesus and gain doctrine and to apply for us the body of Christ right now from Jesus Christ in His fleshly ministry, meaning the 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 ministry of Jesus Christ. No, it says, "Yet now, henceforth, know we Him no more." If we want doctrine that is to be applied for our time today, for our dispensation today, then we know he, we him no more after the flesh. He now is not our, right now, he is not to us. Although it's good to learn what Jesus Christ did in his earthly ministry, which is in the flesh, that. You know, that's not what he's doing right now. Right now, we don't know him after the flesh. Right now, he is the risen, glorified head of the body of Christ. Okay? That's why when we preach Jesus Christ, like Romans 16 says, we have to preach him according to the revelation of the mystery. You know, a lot of people preach Christ. Even the, 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 the cults preach Christ. But how do you preach Christ? Romans chapter 16 says it has to be after the revelation of the mystery revealed unto the Apostle Paul. Okay? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. See? In Christ. Where Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 10, is talking about a group of people who are, who are already in Christ. Are you telling me that they are unsaved people that are in Christ and they have to work 
to be in Christ again? That's just absurd. He is a new creature if you are in Christ right now. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Okay? What about this before the foundation of the world? Ephesians chapter number 1 verse 4 to 7 says, According as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Okay? Having predestinated. See, that's what, this all ties together. That's what predestination means. Having predestination, I know that's, predestination is a, is a huge subject for another time, but one part of it is that before the foundation of the world, God chose us, God predestined everyone that's going to be in him. And how do you, go, you how do you, are you placed in Christ? Or how do you become in Christ? When you trust the gospel. When you are, by grace, you are saved through faith. When you believe in the gospel. Okay? That we should be holy. God, before the foundation of, of the world, because of his wisdom, knew that, hey, man is going to fall through sin or to sin. I'm going to choose a family and then eventually a nation that I'm going to work with. But that nation is going, that nation of Israel is going to deny me. So I'm, I'm, I'm hiding this before the foundation of the world. That's what we call the mystery. I'm hiding this information or this plan that after they reject me, there's going to be a certain period of time where I'm going to be working with the Gentiles. And the method of salvation then is they only have to believe the gospel and they'll be put in me, in Christ. And once they are in Christ, they will be holy and without blame before him in love. See? Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. I don't know. If that does not make you excited, I don't know what will. To himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us what? Accepted in the beloved. In whom? In Christ, we have redemption through his blood. See? People who are in Christ are already saved people. They don't have to work to be saved, to be put in Christ again. They're already in Christ because they're already saved. They already have redemption through his blood. They already have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his what? Of his grace. See? So that's number one is um, the reason. Uh, number one, under the reasons why Ephesians chapter number two, verse 10, does not prove uh, works for salvation in our time. Uh, number one is the contextual, the context. Number two is the um, dispensational. And number three is the differential. What does that mean? Okay. Sort of comparing or con contradicting. God cannot contradict himself. Now watch this. This is going to be quick. The purpose of God in Ephesians 2.7 the purpose of God for all of this is so he can show the exceeding riches of his grace in ages to come. The what of his grace? The riches. And it's not just any riches. It's the exceeding riches of his grace. Okay? But some people still want to say that Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 means that we need to do good works to be saved. On the other hand, Romans 11 verse 6 says, And if by grace, if by grace, it is some works. No, no more of works. Okay? Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no, it's, it is... Some grace. No, it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. It's pretty simple. It is either works or grace. It cannot be a mixture of both. The sad, the sad fact is that people who are proponents or people who push, misuse, abuse, 
misquote Ephesians chapter number 2, 10 and make it prove that you need to work for your salvation for this dispensation? The sad fact is they also want to hold on to grace. They want to prove that you need to work, but they also want to hold on to grace. You can't have both. It's either one or the other. According to Romans 11 verse 6. It's either works or it's either grace. You can't have it both ways. Come on, man. If salvation is by works, just like what some people say about Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, then it is no more grace. No one can sing amazing grace. Forget about grace. If you want, if you want to hold on to Ephesians chapter number two, verse ten, proving grace, forget about grace or er, proving works for salvation. Forget about grace. You can't, you can't have it good both ways. Come on, man. Be honest to yourself. Okay. So if you're trying to say that Ephesians chapter number two ten proves works for salvation, then it is salvation is no more of no more grace. If it is no more grace, then there is no exceeding riches of his grace to show in ages to come. God cannot contradict himself. If he says by grace through faith and that not of works, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 must be talking about something else. It cannot be both. It's either one or the other. And God cannot contradict himself. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 and 10. Watch it. Who had saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and what? Grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus. See, it's in Christ Jesus. Before the world began, that was the plan of God. but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who had abolished death and had brought life and immortality to light. Through what? Through the gospel. Titus chapter number 2, verse 11 to 13. For the grace of God that brought salvation no bring it salvation that means it started in the past and it's still continuing on right now it's still bringing salvation the people had appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, so many people do not understand the grace of God. It's either grace or works. It cannot be both. But the Bible is teaching us right now in these last two verses that grace is still working. It's still bringing salvation right now to all men. And it's not through our works. How? Through the gospel. So that's point number one. Reasons why not. Contextual. Dispensational. Differential. Number two. Adding to our gospel. Okay, Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 to 8. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ Jesus. Christ unto another gospel. Which is not another. This is that the definition of another gospel. It is not another gospel. It's not the gospel of Satan. It's not the gospel of Thomas. It's not the gospel of of Kibuloi. It's not the gospel of whoever quote cult or the branch Davidians. It's not any other gospel. 
It's still the same gospel, the gospel that Paul preached, that people pervert. See, which is not another, but there are there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than, watch it, there's an identifier here, than that which we have preached unto you. It's not just any other gospel. It's the gospel that we, who is this we? It's Paul and his compa companions that he took with him to Galatia. Okay? Just a few verses up, verses 1 and 2 says who those who these people are okay not just and i promise you that's not peter and the other apostle this is paul and the member other members of the people who are in the body of christ we have preached unto you let him be a curse okay so what 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 kind of gospel are we talking about which gospel are we talking about okay first corinthians 15 1 to 4 moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel not just any gospel not the gospel that peter preached unto you not the gospel that andrew not the gospel that john the baptist not even the gospel that jesus christ preached unto you in his earthly ministry along with the apostles and john the baptist jesus christ preached repent for the kingdom is at hand is that what you believe right now to be saved? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand? No, that's not. That's that's not our gospel. I declare unto you whose I, this is the Apostle Paul, the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are what? Saved. What is the content context of this uh gospel um how that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to our scriptures that's the context of paul's gospel the gospel that paul preached unto us so what is another gospel then i'm glad you asked thank you for asking Let's look at the Bible's definition of another gospel. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 says, Another gospel, which is not another, but it is the same gospel, the gospel that I preached unto you, that people pervert. Okay? So, the definition of another gospel is, if I were to put a mathematical equation to it, it's the gospel that Paul preached, plus any perversion, equals another gospel. But if we're going to let the word perversion mean any addition, any subtraction, or any or the changing of anything, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. That's why uh, Titus says not by works of righteousness. See, people will fight for works of righteousness. Okay? If, it's a, if, if it was a wicked work, People have no contest to that. You know, like if I say, if I say, hey, listen, you don't need to sacrifice any babies to go to heaven. That's 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 a wicked work. Obviously, people will say, yep, I agree, no contest there. But if it was a work of righteousness, see, if I say, you know, if people say, hey, you need to whatever work of righteousness, pray the sinner's prayer, or be baptized. Then people will be mad and say, yeah, no, yeah, you still have to do that. We have contests there. I'm, I'm offended. See, the Bible's definition of another gospel is that if you take the gospel that Paul preached and you added anything, you subtracted anything, or you change anything, whether it's good or bad, What's the gospel that Paul preached? Death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you added anything to that, you subtracted anything, or you changed anything to that, whether it's good or bad, then what? that's what the Bible calls another gospel. In short, if you see this yellow portion down here in the middle of the page over here, the gospel of Christ or the gospel of grace of God, which is also the gospel that Paul, Paul preached, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
If you added stuff from the gospel of the kingdom to the gospel of Christ, it becomes another gospel. Then you're accursed. If you added the law and the prophets to the gospel of Christ, or the gospel of, of the grace of God, or Paul's gospel, then it becomes another gospel. Then you are unsaved. Moral of the story, don't add anything to the gospel of the grace of God. What's the gospel of the grace of God? His death, burial, and resurrection. You don't have to do anything because Christ already did the work. And it's a finished work of the, at the cross of Calvary. Okay. Number three, if our gospel be hid, last but not the least. Um, I know that this is not 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 to 10. I beg your pardon for the um, typographical error there. Um, hold on a sec. That is 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 3. Pardon the typographical error there. Well, just not even typographical, just the error in the text or the reference. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, who's the speaker there? That's the Apostle Paul. Our gospel, the gospel that he preached, the gospel of the grace of, uh, of, of God, okay? Gospel of Christ, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. This is Romans 1, 16. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. People don't even know that you only have to believe. People don't even know that. They keep on it existing or insisting you have to work good works. And the gospel is hid, hid to you, friend, and you are lost. Why? The God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. If you insist that you need to add to, an, to the gospel preached by the Apostle Paul, or the gospel of the grace of God, then, friend, you are lost because you believe in another gospel. You are accursed. If you don't even know the gospel, which is sort of, if you're listening to this, it's sort of impossible right now because we just read it a couple of times. If you don't even know the gospel, if you have friends, you have relatives, you have teachers, uh, um, pastors, uh, workmates, classmates, um, doctors, uh, you know, neighbors, cousins, whatever. If you have anyone that do not that do not know the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ, you know what? They are lost because it is hid to them. I hope you see what's going on. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are, not were, that are lost. So to summary, to summarize, excuse me, <laughs> to summarize reasons why Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 10 does not, is not a verse that you would use to prove works for salvation in context, it's talking or it's already talking to people who are already saved or who are already in Christ. And the dispensational reason is that God saved us who were once Gentiles. Now we are in Christ. We are in the body of Christ. There are no more. There is no more distinction between Jew or Gentile, between circumcision and uncircumcision. God planned for us from the beginning of for before the pro, sorry not the beginning but before the foundation of the world. God planned for anyone who will be saved, who will trust God, 
who will believe the gospel, that that person will be in Christ. And if you are in Christ, you're going to do good works. If you're saved, you're in Christ. That means you will do good works, not to be saved, but because you're already saved. Why? So in the ages to come, God can show for, show the exceeding riches of his grace. A differential God cannot contradict himself. If it's grace, it cannot be of works. If it's works, it cannot be of grace. You who keep on saying good works, good works, good works, abandon grace. Because God says in Romans 11 verse 6, If by works, then it is no more grace. If by grace, then it is no more works. It cannot be 1% the other, 1% uh, one, and 99% the other. Nope, it's either or. Can it be both? You can't add to our gospel because it'll be another gospel. It cannot be both. If you are, if you believe in another gospel, if you add, you change anything, you subtract anything, whether it's a good work or not, it becomes another gospel. I'm sorry, friend. Then that will not save you. And last but not the least, if her gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In the beginning, we tried to see which this, what, which situation would it be. Would it be the carnal answer, which is scenario A? The doer of the action is the unsaved. The action is the doing of good works. Uh, the outcome is salvation. And like I said, the answer, this is the wrong answer. Would it be scenario or situation B, which is the traditional answer? The doer of the action is God. The action is the salvation of the unsaved who believe the gospel. The outcome is so that they can do good works. It's an okay answer. It's not the best answer. Here's the answer. Dispensational. The dispensational point of view. Say scenario C. Lure of the action is God. God planned before the foundation of the world that he would save the Gentiles by grace through faith apart from works. And right now, also, whether they're Gentiles or Jews, right now in their dispensation, there's no more distinction. If you believe in the gospel, you are part of the body of Christ. There is no more middle wall of partition. There is no Jew nor Gentile distinction there. You are part of the body of Christ. You are in Christ. You do good works. Why? The outcome is so that in the ages to come, God can show the exceeding riches of his grace. It's not just riches of his grace. It's the exceeding riches of his grace. It's not just grace. It's the riches of his grace. It's not just the riches of his grace. It's the exceeding riches of his grace. I see a lot of people say, well, what the next most logical question is, what good works are those things? Some people will say, yeah, well, you know, just five to thrive. Go to Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, tithe and go soul winning. And you are doing good works already. That's more than that. Well, don't drink, don't go to the movie, wear the right stuff, say the right thing. That's and then you're good to go. That's it's more than that. It's not something that you it's something that God God's power planned before the world. God in his power and in his wisdom planned before the world began that the body of Christ will do will accomplish I hope that you learned from that and I hope that's a blessing Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 10 does not prove that you need to work to be saved 
There's so much more to the book of Ephesians. There's so much more to Ephesians chapter number two. There's so much more to the book of Ephesians. And I hope this has become this is this has been a blessing to you. Thank you so much for spending the time. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope God I hope you have a wonderful week and God bless you.